This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Nice and clean, execute our race. For a thousand position, got to be there at the end. Yep, copy that. Have a nice, smooth day and got to be there when it counts. Kurt Busch's advantage is only half a car length. Here comes Eric Almarola mounting a charge around the outside. He's got a little bit of help. Kurt Busch doesn't have any help. Eric Almarola will lead the field back to the strike. Kurt Busch out of fuel, dropping to the inside of the track. Here's Eric Almarola, who nearly won the Daytona 500. He leads the way coming down to the line, and he will win today in Talladega. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry. Trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity X5. Internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew reunited yet again here with you for another 60 minutes. Coming up on today's show, we're going to take a look at what's new in 2022 with a focus on the schedule changes. And there are many of them. Matter of fact, the first of those comes up three weeks from Sunday with the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum. We're also going to check in with Colleague Racing. Matt Colleague is going to stop by and talk about all the changes for his team in the new year and basically pick the brain of one of NASCAR's Cup Series newest owners. We're also going to look back at the rich history of the Chili Bowl Nationals. They're going on this week. Plus, this week's Daytona 500 flashback will focus on the 2000 renewal of the Great American Race and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky's here to get us started with the latest in headlines. Kyle, what's new? Mike, testing continues on the next-gen car this week in preparation of the new season. Now less than a month away. 15 Cup teams are at Daytona International Speedway today and tomorrow to prepare for the Daytona 500 on February 20th. Among those at the test include Brad Kozlowski for Roush Fenway Kozlowski Racing, Denny Hamlin for Joe Gibbs Racing, Joey Logano and Austin Sindrick for Team Penske, Harrison Burton for the Wood Brothers, and William Byron and Dale Earnhardt Jr. for Hendrick Motorsports. Earnhardt will take some laps for Hendrick to get a feel of the new car in order to better describe it to race fans when he resumes his broadcast duties with NBC later this season. 
Eric Almirola has announced that he'll be leaving the sport at season's end. This year will be his 15th year in the NASCAR Cup Series, and he'll drive again for Stuart Haas Racing for a fifth season. Almirola has captured three checkered flags in his career, including one last year at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And the 36th running of the Chili Bowl is underway in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Some 400 drivers are entered with the hopes of making the main event on Saturday night for midget-style race cars. The week kicked off with the annual Race of Champions on Monday night. Despite two last-lap attempts to take the lead, defending Cup Series champion and defending Chili Bowl winner Kyle Larson had to settle for second, while dirt car regular Justin Grant claimed the win. Christopher Bell finished in the third spot. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll get a refresher on the changes to the 2022 schedule. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating... Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Before the start of last year's season, at the beginning of the 2021 campaign, NASCAR made sweeping changes to the Cup Series schedule. This year continues that trend with the addition of some new venues and some shuffled race dates. Let's get you caught up on those changes for 2022. 2022 is here and we are only a few weeks away from the start of the NASCAR Cup Series season. Much like 2021, there are several changes to the Cup Series schedule. The season begins in earnest as it always does with the Bush Light Clash. But this year, the event will take place at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum before the haulers head back east for Speed Weeks in Daytona. During his State of the Sport address in November, prior to Championship Weekend in Phoenix, NASCAR President Steve Phelps discussed how the schedule changed played into NASCAR's willingness to be bold. We're going to be bold in, in what we're doing, whether it's the schedule or the car, um, all of it. it. We're going to take calculated risks. Um, so, but to answer your question, I thought the schedule variation was very important. The reason why we're able to do schedule variation, frankly, is you know the, the two public companies that dominated the cup schedule were... You know, they had responsibilities to their shareholders, and those shareholders wanted to see a return on the investment they were making uh, in those in those public companies. So NASCAR um, merging with International Speedway Corporation and Speedway Motorsports going private were things that people don't think about, but that were very, very important to the success of the sport and will be for, for decades to come. So um, and I don't know what the 23 schedule is going to look at look like. 
Um, but I know it's not going to look like the 22 schedule. Cup racing comes to St. Louis in June as Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway makes its debut on the series calendar. The asymmetrical oval has hosted the Camping World Truck Series the last eight seasons and has hosted the Xfinity Series along with IndyCar and NHRA events. The addition of Gateway to the Cup schedule will remove an event from Pocono Raceway, which drops from two annual races to one. Richmond Raceway's four-year run as host of a playoff event comes to an end this season, while Texas and Las Vegas will swap spots in the playoffs with the Fort Worth track opening the round of 12 and Vegas moving to the round of 8. Kansas shifts to an earlier playoff date, now taking place on the second weekend in September. Auto Club Speedway is set to return to the cup schedule following a two-year absence due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The event will re-establish a three-week West Coast swing heading into March. Some of the changes from 2021, which remain intact for the time being, include a return to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, along with another weekend of dirt racing at Bristol Motor Speedway. Change is on the horizon and anticipation and excitement are on the rise as NASCAR fast approaches the debut of the next-gen car in L.A. Lots of changes coming up. Can't wait to get to them week in and week out. Coming up, we're going to bring in Dave Moody and Alex Hayden, a NASCAR Live Fast Forums coming at you next. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live, and as promised, it is time for another Fast Forum. I'm joined by Dave Moody and Alex Hayden. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show, and Happy New Year. Hey, Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year, guys. Glad to have you back with us. And, um, you know, the news cycle in NASCAR has been on a slow IV drip for about the past month or so. A little bit of news here, a little bit of news there. Let's start with the most recent. Got news that Eric Almarola is retiring from full-time competition at the end of 2022. Alex, I'll begin with you. Did you see that news coming? I did not. And the reason I didn't see it is because Eric Almarola still is very much in his prime as far as race car years go, if you will. I think Almarola takes it a step further, too, and understands that there's a lot more to life. And I loved his, his thought process and the way he articulated the, the, the decision that he made in the fact that I want to be, I want to be a dad. I want to be a husband and to be a top notch NASCAR cup series driver. You have to be a selfish person. You have to do all the things that come with that, whether it's the SIM time, all the sponsor commitments, all the time at the race shop, everything it takes to be at that level as far as a driver goes, if you want to be a successful driver for the most part, that is, uh, you're going to, you're going to have to sacrifice something. And Eric Almarola, he's a dad, got the kids. I think, I think it was a great move on his part. And I think it's a lot easier to swallow and a lot easier to understand given the fact that he articulated it so well. 
Interesting response to that. Dave, I'll ask you this question from this perspective. When you talk about, obviously, the rigors of race weekend, all that you do is simulation, everything you do at the racetrack, and try to balance a home life with a wife and children and all that stuff. Are race car driver years measured differently now than they used to be? Because it just seems like that there's more to manage and juggle in this day and age. I think they absolutely are, Mike. I think, you know, for one thing, race car drivers' careers start now at age five. Used to be they started at 18 or 20 or even 21 years old. Harry Gant never sat in a cup car until he was 30-something years old. Eric Almirola's 37, and he's getting ready to pack it in and call it a career. So, yeah, they, they start a lot earlier. And by design, by the time they reach their 30s, they've been racing for a quarter century or, or, or maybe even more. And I know, you know, firsthand, Eric Almirola's kids are getting to the point right now they're getting to the age right now. We're getting dragged along with dad and mom in the motorhome to the racetrack just doesn't fly anymore. They've got friends, they've got interests, they've got sports, they've got activities. And it's like, man, I just don't want to be living out of that motorhome every weekend. The, the, the age where they're easily portable and will do whatever mom and dad want to do coming to an end. And this, and I know firsthand, cause my kids are all grown now, but I remember the age and this is the age where you have to start making choices about either you're going to miss what your kids are doing, or you're going to get off the room. I think you can add to that, David. Those are excellent points. The fact that in today's world compared to days gone by that, that you guys were referencing the salaries that these drivers make now afford them the opportunity to be able to retire in their thirties for better or for worse. However you want to look at that, there's good and bad that come a lot, uh, come along with both sides of that, but to be able to make the money that these drivers make and rightfully so earn as much as you possibly can, it affords them the opportunity to step back in, in days gone by. If you think back in the, the early days of our sport, these guys had to go out and race just to put food on the table and pay the bills. So it's a different world. It's a different NASCAR. I congratulate Eric Almirola on a great career, and I look forward to this his final year to see what else he can do. In the category of, but wait, there's more, Stewart House Racing also made other news with bringing on Ryan Priest as a reserve driver and limited driving opportunities in Cup, in Xfinity, and in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Dave, I'll begin with you on this. You know, now that we have... More of a clearer picture with the Eric Almirola piece, bringing Ryan Priest in and perhaps maybe getting him established as one that could take a baton at some point, either from Eric or Kevin, is probably one of the more genius moves that we've seen in recent memory, no? Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, we've all been in this business long enough to know that there aren't many coincidences in the world. When things happen, they generally happen for a reason. And, and naming, Naming Ryan Priest as their quote unquote utility infielder, you know, for uh, two days before Eric Almirola out of the blue, as far as we know, but I guarantee not out of the blue, as far as Stuart Haas knew, announces his retirement. That's just too coincidental to be a coincidence, Alex. I, I think one thing leads to another here. I, I agree with that. And then you also look at the relationship that Ryan Priest has with Kevin Harvick. Because if you look back at the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race at the Nashville Super Speedway that Ryan Priest won, 
that entry was set up due to Kevin Harvick and his company. So uh, there's already a business side of that in the relationship there between Priest and Harvick. And obviously that, that piggybacks over into Stuart Haas racing. So uh, at first you think about the, the move adding Priest as a, a standby driver, somebody to do all the, the testing, all the sim work. It makes sense in today's COVID world. But now that we get the news that Eric Almarola, Stuart Haas driver, is hanging it up at the end of this year, we get news uh, that Kevin Harvick has been bantering around. Uh, does he step away? Does he continue on? If I'm not mistaken, Mike, I think Harvick is under contract at Stuart Haas Racing through 2023. So there's at least this year and next year contractually uh, if Harvick wants to keep racing. Doesn't mean he will. You can retire at any point. So there's a, a lot of interesting moving facts and, and, and parts and pieces to, to Stuart Haas Racing right now. Well, when you pull back, from both those news items, and you look at SHR as a whole, let's be honest, SHR struggled in 2021. I can't go into 2022 thinking that that's going to continue because I know Kevin Harvick, and I know Rodney Childers, I know Greg Zipidelli, I know Tony Stewart, and what they turned in last year is totally unacceptable. I can't imagine going into this racing season not being at SHR and looking at that bunch and not seeing the bit in Kevin Harvick's mouth. Is this an opportunity for them to perhaps maybe put a couple exclamation points out there on the heels of what they didn't do last year, Alex? You know, I, I think so. And I'll take it a, a step or two further, too. Stuart Haas Racing as a whole just seems to be uh, adding different dynamics to their entire dimension with the announcement that they've got SS Greenlight Racing with a technical alliance uh, now. That's an Xfinity Series team. Okay, we got a, a partnership there. They've got the technical alliance right now in the Cup Series as well, Rick Ware Racing. So there, there's a lot of maneuvering going on right now, Stuart Haas Racing, Dave, that I think, to your point, hey, they may have rested on their laurels over the last couple of years, but last year they had a bit of an eye-opener really did and and it was shocking uh, it was shocking to see the level of performance Kevin Harvick began to uh, began to start looking like the Kevin Harvick that we know and love in the final eight or ten races of last year but it was far too little and far too late Eric Almarola in terms of winning races was the lead dog in the harness at SHR last year and Mike your question was can they can they ramp it back up in 2022 well they darn sure better because uh, no I'm like you I can't I can't visualize particularly the four team with, with Rodney and Kevin performing as poorly as they did last year. But a year ago today, none of us visualized it happening either. It was, it was a shock then, it's a shock now, and it'll be a shock again if it happens in 2022. And I, I've got to believe that with this brand new race car on the docket, there are no givens, there are no expectations, anything can happen. And I think that means good or bad for just about any race team. When you have a highly motivated Kevin Harvick and a highly motivated Rodney Childers, that could spell trouble for the rest of the NASCAR Cup Series garage here in 2022. More of the Fast Forum coming up here on NASCAR Live. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live, continuing our Fast Forum with Dave Moody and Alex Hayden. Let's talk a little next-gen race car. The next-gen car is in the process of getting another workout testing going on at Daytona International Speedway. The 24th time that car has been on track in the last three years and change, 
Dale Earnhardt Jr. coming out of retirement, begging Chad Canals, Dave, to wheel this car. I never thought I would I would hear of a current or former cup driver begging to get in for a two-day test at Daytona. What do you think about Joel Junebug coming back here? Well, I, I think I don't think it's what a lot of people would like it to be. I don't think it means that Dale Jr. is getting, uh, getting ants in his pants and wants to come back as a full-time Cup Series driver again. I just think he wants to be relevant in the TV booth and know what he's talking about when it comes to this new race car. And, you know, he's strapped in up the smallest track it'll ever compete on at Bowman Gray a couple of months ago, along with uh, along with Clint Boyer. Now he's strapping in at the biggest track it'll be on. I think he can probably, you know, extrapolate the rest of it, all the in-betweens. But it, it's a really interesting deal, Mike, because this new race car I think a lot of people are, are are maybe deluding themselves into thinking that after all this testing, this car is going to come out of the box and be perfect, and there aren't going to be any tweaks or changes or adjustments or, or anything needed on this car. If it happens, it'll be the first race car in the history of race cars that came out of the box perfect. And, and I've talked to a number of crew chiefs in the last couple of weeks that say, listen, don't think that we're not going to have to change some things or try some things or do some things differently. This car is going to evolve over the coming weeks and months and years, just like every other race car has. And there's never a perfect race car. And I don't think any of us have ever heard a race car driver say this car was absolutely perfect. Cars are machines and you can always tweak and you can always improve. And any good racer will tell you there's always a tenth of a second still out there someplace. And that's where the engineers and the, the mechanics all go to work and try to figure that out. With this race car, there's a lot of interesting things about it. it and yes, there's been a lot of laps turned in testing with this new car, but there's some things to me that that just jump off the page that I think are going to be interesting when we start actually racing this car in competition with a five-speed sequential gearbox now. To me, does that mean the, the art of restarts changes? Are people not going to be missing shifts anymore? It's sequential, just up, 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 back, back, back you know, in the old H pattern. So you're not going to have the, the the potential for missing a shift out there. Uh, I think the, the larger brakes is something else too, I think is going to be interesting to see how that evolves because that means with this larger brake package, teams can sail the car a little deeper into the corner if they want to. Uh, they got more tread to deal with uh, on the tire with the 18 inch wheels. So there's a lot of unknowns out there. And, and I think it's going to reward, especially in the first handful of races, Drivers that have that that risk factor in mind to go ahead and sail that car in there and see exactly what it can do. One of the interesting things about this is going to be pitch strategy. We've heard from crew chiefs already that by transitioning to the larger wheel and the single lug on each wheel, the tires are going to be done before the fuel gets in the car. So the crew chief is going to have to make a decision. Do I go when the tires are done, leave with not a fuel a full tank of fuel, or... Do I get the tires done, wait, 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 wait for fuel, and then go? That, to me, Alex, is another strategic element that's going to be introduced with this new race car. 
And I love it. I really do. Let's let's add some more var- uh, variables into this, and, and let's let's make sure everybody that understands what what you're talking about. Yes, the the tire change is going to be done quicker. Why? Well, we don't have the five lug nuts. Uh, if you're just joining NASCAR, we only have the one single lug now. Uh, take it off, put it right back on. That's that's going to make the tire change much quicker. The fuel is still going to be the same. It is dictated by gravity. So you got uh, the guy that inserts the fuel can at the left rear corner of the race car or the right rear on certain road courses and let the fuel drop in via gravity. So it's still going to take time. I think something that's that's going to help dictate these strategies will be which tire compound Goodyear brings, because with this bigger wheel, Goodyear can have softer tires. That means it's going to wear out more, which means you don't necessarily have to have a full fuel load. So I think the the tire compound is going to be just as big a factor, Dave, in these crew chiefs trying to figure out exactly what strategy they want to imply. I agree wholeheartedly, and and it's really going to change the game, and it's not going to happen every week. But on the occasion where we get that late caution flag or we have a fuel mileage race, that maybe would lure somebody onto pit road in the past for what we used to call a gas and go pit stop. Well, if you can gas and go for three and a half or four seconds worth of fuel, you might as well slap tires on the thing as well. So the the comers versus goers ratio on those late gas and go stops could be dramatically higher where, where you just came out at the same speed on old tires with, a, uh, w- with enough gas to make it. Now you can come off pit road a heck of a lot faster than the competition because you not only do you have fuel, but you've also got those, those fresh Goodyear's on all four corners. Ah, yes, my friends, gravity. Sometimes it works to your advantage. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, One thing that will work to our advantage, three weeks from Sunday, we're going to be at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum for the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. Ticket sales are going great. I saw some pictures this week. The track has been paved. The walls are in. Looks like they have to line the track. Dave, what did you think about what you saw out there? That, That has the makings of being a very unique and special playground here three weeks from Sunday. Well, I'll say this. Feelings will get hurt. There's no question about it. Toes will be stepped on. Feelings will be hurt. Noses may get bloodied. I I grew up at a quarter-mile racetrack back home in Vermont, and it's going to be full-contact racing. It's one of those deals where you might as well apologize to everybody in advance because there's going to be rooting, there's going to be gouging and digging and complaining and maybe a little tussling and rustling when it's all over, and I can't wait for any of that. I think the track layout is interesting. Yeah, certainly it's it's a tight little racetrack, but a lot of people were initially comparing this to Bowman Gray Stadium, the historic track in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is built around a football field where Winston-Salem State University plays their college football games. It has the corners and then it has the straightaways. But now that the pavement is down, the asphalt is down here in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, you look at this shot, specifically if you look at an overhead shot, and there's some stills out there right now that you can see, there's more of an arc on the straightaways, if you will. They're not necessarily straight. The corners then get super tight. So the corners almost look like diamonds already. And that means to me, you can sail that car on in there and hope that you're going to have a little extra room to the right on exit of the corner. I think it's going to be great. And now that we're starting to see the walls and now that we've got the infield paved, this has become real now. A lot of people thought, ah, heck, this is a gimmick. There's nothing to it. 
now that the track layout is there and people are seeing this, I think the anticipation level has been amped up tenfold right now because of that. It has become real. We're going to race at the most famous sports venue in the world, uh, two Olympics, a World Series, all the Super Bowls, everything that's happened there uh, historically, whether it's athletics or not, at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, we're going to run NASCAR there. And, and I think it's fantastic. And oh, the, by the way, it doesn't hurt either uh, that we're all going to have our dancing shoes because Pitbull is going to be performing. Well, not, not to mention, somebody's going to get punted. It's going to be a William Ray Guy spectacular. By the way, legendary Raiders punter, for those of you that don't know. Gentlemen, appreciate the time. Can't wait to get going here. Three weeks from Sunday, we're going to throw the green flag on race one of the season. Quickly head back to our homesteads and then pack up and head down to Daytona for Speed Weeks 2022. Look forward to reconvening with you guys. We'll chat with you later on, and thank you for your time. Thanks, Mike. That's Alex Hayden, Dave Moody, another fast forum in the books here on NASCAR Live. When we come back, we're going to check in with the owner of Colleg Racing. Matt Colleg is next to on NASCAR Live. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. I want to announce our first full-time multi-year for the Cup Series, Justin Haley. Justin Haley will drive our car in Cup next year uh, and, and years to come multi-year deal with Justin. Justin has been in our family for now three years. Now we know he's going to be here much longer. Obviously, everybody's sitting here going, is A.J. Allmendinger going cup racing, right? Is A.J. Allmendinger going cup racing? Well, A.J. Allmendinger has bought into college racing, everybody. I want to be very clear about that. He is part of us. He is part of a lot of decision-making that we, we have. We sat down with A.J. Allmendinger and had a lot of conversations, and we feel like A.J. deserves another shot at going for Xfinity Championship. So he's going to go for another Xfinity Championship in 2022. Uh, so he will be racing in Xfinity Series along with a bunch of cup races. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live, getting ready to close in on another racing season. We'll be at it pretty shortly, three weeks from Sunday, heading out to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum for the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. And one team that will be making, I would not say it's maiden voyage, but one of its first few starts in the Cup Series is Colleg Racing, and Matt Colleg is here with us. Matt, welcome to NASCAR Live. How are we doing? Happy New Year, by the way. Well, Happy New Year to you. Uh, it's great to be here, and it's always great. You know, it's been a it's been a few weeks or a month or so before uh, since we've been able to talk racing. So it's uh, it's good to join you and talk some racing. Well, you know, it, it's funny. You're new to the Cup Series in full time, but in a part time, you already took you you've already taken care of the winning ways. One of AJ Allmendinger la last year. At Indy, let, let me start right there. How long does a win like that last? What's the lingering effect of that win on Colleg Racing, you and everybody involved? Well, you know, I think that one, you know, being Indianapolis and our first cup win and, and just even how it went down and how it was, I think that one lasts forever. You know, I've got uh, in my office, I'm, I'm up in Hudson, Ohio, and in my office, I've got two uh, big pictures, one of us in victory lane and then one of us sitting there you know, all kissing the bricks. And so, you know, I look at that every single day and I, I don't think, I don't think a win like that just goes away. Like if you win the Daytona 500 or, or at Indy or just one of the major, uh, major races, um, I think the lingering effects of that thing, you know, go, go on uh, really forever, but it's been awesome for the team. You know, it was almost, it's almost one of those things where, 
obviously we weren't really expecting, you know, a cup win. We ran eight cup races part-time last year just to really get our feet wet and, and really get used to the cup series and to, to show our faces and, and just in preparation for getting ready for this year in 2022. And then uh, to actually walk away with a, with a giant win and, you know, a cup series victory, uh, you know, was, was an unexpected surprise, but it actually showed our team, you know, that we can, that we can do it. You know, you we're, we're a, we're a great team. We've got a great uh, bunch of individuals on the team and all aspects of our, of our team from drivers to crew chiefs to um, engineers, to just everybody at the, at the race shop and, and our, our sponsors and partners and um, you know, and we did it. So I, I think that one will last forever. You know, you, you say it will last forever, and 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 it should. Cause that that was something. I mean, being there that day, it was something remarkable to watch and pretty pretty special uh, special to watch. But as you as as you walked in the garage last year, I don't want to say it was basically you know us against everyone else, but you were new. I mean, there were favorites to win that race, and at the end of that day, you were the one that was able to walk away with that win. To me, that has to ladle on some additional specialness to the situation. No, no one expected college racing to win that race. And you were the ones that were kissing the bricks. That's right. And, you know, I don't know that anybody was, you know, it's interesting because it was, it was AJ Allmendinger. So I don't know that anybody was shocked that AJ Allmendinger won, you know, a, a road course race or, or won at Indy. I mean, I, I know that I guess, was it earlier in the year? Uh, it was earlier in the year that we were, uh, that we ran the, the Daytona road course, Man, I can't even remember what was it. Just a couple races in, uh, and AJ led a bunch of laps, uh, you know, in, in that thing. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody was shocked that AJ Allmendinger, you know, was up there. I think maybe more shocking that, you know, that that Colleg Racing, you know, was putting good cars out there and and leading laps and actually could win a race. I mean, those things are hard, as you know. I mean, a Cup race, Xfinity races are really hard to win. Uh, much less Cup races almost seem impossible to win. And and even all the Cup teams and you know would would agree with that. I mean, it's really things have to really line up and you have to be really good, you know, to compete and, and to win those things. So, I mean, the fact that we were able to do that. You know, we feel good over the last, you know, we're coming up on our seventh season in the Xfinity series. And I think we've been relevant, really relevant for the last couple of years in the Xfinity series. So, you know, I think people in the cup garage, they obviously know who we are. We've won a bunch of Xfinity races. Um, You know, I think fans kind of know who we are. And so, uh, you know, it was good to really get our feet wet. I'm super excited about this upcoming year in the cup series. Uh, you know, to just to see what we got, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we know what we have in the Xfinity series, almost our expectations are to go out, get into the playoffs and and go win championship. And, you know, we've got a couple of drivers that, that are able to do that. And, um, you know, we definitely have the cars and the team that, that have the capabilities of going to do that, but, you know, we'll, we'll just see how it goes really in the cup series and, and, uh, and we'll give it our best. You're a very successful businessman and yeah, you've had to take risks along the way, but you're also smart enough to know what you don't know and smart when it's time to strike. Is this one of those moments you've been in the Xfinity series for seven years, you're coming to the cup series. Yeah. We got the next gen race car. Did that provide you the opening that you were waiting for or were, was colleague ready to go at this moment, even without that? 
Uh, we would have been ready. We would have been ready to go. We had, uh, that was, that's been our plan really for a couple of years. I mean, Mike, we did, you know, COVID hit what two years ago, two seasons ago. And, uh, and, and knocked us out from being able to be a part-time team. And we weren't qualifying. We really couldn't even get in. We ran the Daytona 500 and we were planning on running maybe seven or eight races, you know, two years ago in the cup series in preparation for last season, you know, maybe going full-time, um, you know, I mean, the whole charter situation, you know, became more of a situation that, you know, the charter system and everything became more of a situation last year, really, uh, than, it, than it was even the previous year for some reason. I don't know what accelerated all that stuff. I don't know whether it's just, you know, um, you know, guys coming into the sport or more people really wanting and coming into the sport. But um, no, we we our plan was always to go part time you know, really understand, you know, the cup series, the cup garage is a lot different than the, than the Xfinity garage. I mean, it seems the same as far as the haulers and the, the crews and everything else, but it's, it's a different set of uh, officials. It's a different set of, um, you know, executives running the, running the series. It's just a, it's just a bigger show and it's just a lot more, there's a lot more to it in the cup series than, than it is uh, in the Xfinity series. So we wanted to really even get our team, you know, prepared and kind of used to, uh, you know, used to being in the cup series. And so that's what we've done. We feel really good about going into 2022. Uh, we feel comfortable, you know, all of our, all of our drivers really have, have, uh, have run in the cup series before. And so, you know, we're, we're really looking forward to just seeing what we can accomplish this year. Matt, appreciate the time. Know you're busy and I know you're excited to get going racing again. We'll look forward to seeing you at the track coming up. All right. Thanks Mike. Appreciate it. Matt Colleg of Colleg racing, looking to make an impact in 2022. You'll hear a majority of those races right here on the motor racing network. Stay tuned. More of NASCAR live on the way. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals got rolling earlier this week in Oklahoma. 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion Chase Elliott, one of many NASCAR drivers in this year's affair. Let's take a look back at the history of one of the biggest races in America. Once a year, dirt racing fanatics flock to Tulsa, Oklahoma for the biggest midget car race of the year. Of course, we're talking about the Chili Bowl. Not only does it attract dirt racing's finest, it attracts names from other forms of racing, mainly several from the NASCAR Cup Series. Such a big deal is made of an indoor midget race in January, but much is made of its history. Emmett Hahn was a hobby stock driver in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the 1960s. He had success throughout the 70s, but an old eye injury started becoming more of a problem, causing him to stop racing in 1982. Han couldn't stay away though, promoting races at Port City Raceway and starting to look at racing differently. While in Tulsa, he noticed the Expo Center, the largest open span building in the country. It caught his eye for a specific reason. Port City Speedway had been looking for a winter event but obviously, in the dead of winter, any racing outside is not an option. Hahn thought the Expo Center could offer an alternative, a one-day extravaganza of bikes, carts, quads, and mini sprints. 
thus the STP shootout was created. That wasn't enough for Hahn. He wanted to bring sprint car racing to the Expo Center. That's where Larry Edwards comes in. The longtime promoter at Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas, came to look at the Expo Center. He saw Hahn's idea, but had some modifications. Sprint car drivers would appear, but they'd have to be in midget cars, competing against the best midget drivers in the country. In 1987, the first four-day extravaganza took place, but it wasn't an automatic success. The first year, Edwards and Hahn lost $18,000. They relied on Bob Berryhill, who owned the Chili Bowl Food Company, to bail them out and keep the event and keep the event afloat until it started to gain traction. The name Chili Bowl stuck and became the largest and most successful indoor race ever. Today, over 200 racing rigs can fit in the Expo Center. The track is roughly a quarter mile circle covered in clay. The biggest names in racing have competed at the Chili Bowl and continue to do so. To say a driver won at the Chili Bowl is the equivalent of saying a driver won the Daytona 500. Tony Stewart is a two-time winner, Christopher Bell is a three-time winner, and Kyle Larson has won the last two runnings of the event and looking to go three in a row here in 2022. Some of this year's NASCAR competitors include Larson, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Christopher Bell, and Chase Briscoe. The Chili Bowl is a landmark of racing, an experience like no other, and gives racing lovers some on-track action in the dead of winter. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, before we head for the exits, we're going to give you a flashback to the 2000 Daytona 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. About to reach the checkered flag for this week's NASCAR Live. Appreciate you all for tuning in and joining us. Last week, we began to build anticipation for this year's Daytona 500 as we took a look back to the 2002 running of the Great American Race. This week, let's go back even further, two years prior to the 2000 running of the Daytona 500. As NASCAR entered the new millennium, it was riding a wave of success. The rivalry between Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon had attracted more fans. Everything in NASCAR seemed to be going up. And on top of the hill was Dale Jarrett. The 1999 champion came to Daytona with expectations of continuing his success into the 2000s. 2000 Daytona 500 showed that Jarrett's momentum carried over into the new decade. Rookie Dale Earnhardt Jr. also began his career in this race as the green flag flew. 43 drivers will seek their share of the $9.3 million purse put up for today's Daytona 500. Dale Jarrett and Ricky Rudd are on the front row. Rudd looking for his first 500 victory in his 23rd try. Jarrett looking for win number three after the damage to his car in yesterday's final practice. These opening laps will be nervous ones for him. Bill Elliott and Mike Skinner in row two. Rusty Wallace and Ward Burton in row three. Tony Stewart and the rookie Dale Earnhardt Jr. in row four. Pace car is off. We're ready to begin the 42nd Daytona 500. Field down the line looking for the green flag. It is in the air and the Daytona 500 is underway. Restrictor plate motors come to life. 
they wind them up and head for turn number one. It'll take a full lap before they get all the power out of those engines, so nobody's pulling out to pass, at least up toward the front as they work their way down to turn one. High-speed pace lap forming up here as they climb the banking of turn one for the first time. Dale Jarrett begins to nose out in front. His teammate, Ricky Rudd, pulls even once again, and they are stacked up two by two all the way through the 43-car field. On to the super stretch for the first time this afternoon. Dale Jarrett goes to work in the inside lane, but Ricky Rudd is stronger to the outside. In fact, Rudd has help now in the form of Mike Skinner. Dale Jarrett needs some kind of help. His car backslides to fourth, maybe fifth position. He'll be challenged to the outside by Dale Earnhardt Jr. The leader, Ricky Rudd, first time by off turn four. Only 32 laps in, and Jeff Gordon had major trouble that would ruin his chance to win. That field works over into turn number three and heading up to Eli Gold. Well, we'll keep an eyeball on things. Michael Waltrip uh, further up gets shuffled out of the draft a little bit. It'll work to the inside. Here comes Gordon. Let's look. He comes by us, and yes, there is some smoke as he settles off the banking and takes a set on the flat of the racetrack. Not real pronounced. Well, it is now. It's getting worse. You can see it real good. A moment ago, you just see a wisp now and then as he went off in the corner, and a big puff just came out that time as he heads down to turn one and over to Joe Moore. He's at the tail end of a draft here, riding along of about the 14th position. Seems to be up to speed, but that smoke becoming more pronounced here as he passes me in turn number two. Again, keeping up the speed, staying with the draft, but the smoke pouring off the back of the Pot Chevrolet. Heading down the super stretch, more smoke again pouring out from behind Jeff Gordon's car. He continues to do the same as he works his way back to the corner. Again, we'll watch going through the turn when he's in the yaw position. Well, now we're even seeing it there. It looked before as though the smoke came when the car came off the corner and hit the flat. He's going to come to pit road. Lots of problems, lots of smoke for the 2014. He's going to come to pit road because if he didn't, he was going to be black flagged at the start finish line. So Jeff Gordon on the pit lane at lap 32. He in the Daytona 500. Let's go to Pit Road and get an update on Gordon's problem. Well, it is some kind of an oil leak, Barney. We can smell it, and there is oil on the, the uh, Pit Road area here, so they've shut the engine off. It looks like they're going to push it behind the wall. Dale Jarrett would be up front all day, leading large chunks of the race at a time. Every driver played nice, clicking off laps until the checkered flag loomed. As they try to wind them up single file, they're not going to stay that way very long as they head off to turn number one. Back in about eighth and ninth position, they're already three deep. And Pontiac is strong on the start as Johnny Benson pulls away, but here's Dale Jarrett moving up the banking, and Johnny Benson goes there to block. DJ goes slow to try to get by. Benson goes slow, but DJ is on the move. Dale is up alongside. Here comes Jeff Burton and Bill Elliott. Dale Jarrett throws down the gauntlet at the midpoint of the back stretch, races up underneath Johnny Benson and tries to open the inside lane. Jarrett gets by, and so does Jeff Burton. Now Bill Elliott trying to make a move. Can he do so? No. Benson can't get back in line. The Fords ganging up on him. Maybe his Pontiac brethren there will let him in. Bobby Labonte, but the leader is Jarrett. That's the final laps of the Daytona 500. Nobody's going to let you in line. Jarrett comes to the stripe. He leads with three laps to go. Now he's got Jeff Burton, Bill Elliott, and Rusty Wallace behind him trying to challenge as they race for the win into turn number one. The Fords work together to get by the other make, but what do they do now when they get all there together? Mark Martin sitting in line. You've got the cars of Bill Elliott there. Jeff Burton following race leader Dale Jarrett up off the corner. Nose to tail header to turn three. Everyone single file chasing Dale Jarrett's red and blue Ford all the way down the back straightaway. Jeff Burton not about to make the move just yet. He follows the race leader. Bill Elliott thinks about it, but he can't make a move either. They'll stay single file. Further back, you've got Rusty Wallace and Mark Martin, followed by Bobby Labonte and Terry Labonte. Ward Burton's next and Ken Schrader and Kenson. One car scrubbing Trouble. the wall. 
Go ahead, Eli. I'll say one car spins and tags the wall coming by us and continues down towards you. Caution as the leaders cross the start-finish line. Dale Jarrett's going to win the Daytona 500. He just took the yellow flag at the start-finish line with two laps to go. It was Jimmy Spencer, I believe, who hit the yep. wall up in turn number four. And Jarrett got the caution just before he got to the stripe. And I believe the race is over. Nonetheless, we'll follow him down the backstretch. I know the word is from NASCAR. He got the flag at the line. So the race is under caution. When they come back this time, they'll get the white flag. And the Daytona 500 is going to be won for a third time by Dale Jarrett. Dale Jarrett proved his championship ways would continue into the 2000s and set NASCAR up for a wild first decade of a new era. Oh, we can't wait. The Daytona 500 at Daytona International Speedway, a yearly tradition. And of course, keep it tuned right here to the Motor Racing Network. We'll keep you up to date on the events of Speed Weeks 2022. That's going to put a wrap on this week's show. We'd like to thank Matt Collig for joining us. Also, our thanks to Alex Hayden and Dave Moody for joining us with a NASCAR Live Fast Forum. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you as well for joining us. And we'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrion and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.